when I set about this uh, series on the names of God, he sent out a whole list of the names of God and said, pick one that you fancy. Um, it was a huge list. I never actually counted how many names on there, did you? No. It was a long, long, long list of, names, of the names of God. And I, I, my initial reaction was, I'll take one of the ones that's well known, that's uh, easy, not easy, none of them are easy, are they? But it is, is understood already a bit by most people. Um, and I said what he wanted us to do was look at these different names of God and how the name helps us to understand and know God better, who God's revealed himself to be, Help us to understand his character and his intention towards us as well. What does that name of God imply for our everyday life? So I thought I'd take one of the ones that's quite well known. But then I read through this list of names and one jumped out at me a bit. And I was quite intrigued by it. I was partly intrigued because one, I couldn't spell it. <laughs> Two, I couldn't pronounce it. Three, I didn't know much about it. And four, I didn't get it. So apart from that, it was fine. And I still can't pronounce it, and Hugh's sitting there, Hugh, correct me, alright? <laughs> um, the name, one of the names of God that I've chosen to talk about this morning, and I'm going to get this wrong, I know I am. Um, I'm not a theologian, alright? You've got to bear that in mind. Jehovah Mechodishkem, <laughs> is that anywhere close? Not bad, right, okay. Jehovah Mechodishkem. The God who makes you holy. Sorry, what? The God who makes me holy. The God who makes you holy. I don't quite get that. Let me tell you a story. Quite a few years ago, I, I prayed about my many years. Oh, thanks for that, Pat. Um, <laughs> quite a few years ago, long before we moved to the southwest. Um, I did a lot of prison ministry work, as some of you will know. And Prison Fellowship and the Caring for Ex-Offenders Network at HTB, part of the Alpha organisation, held a joint fundraising event up in London um, to, for a special project. This, this, this sounded like a great idea. And this joint fundraising event was a sponsored abseil down one of the buildings of the University of London. I don't know how it was, 8, 10, 12 stories, whatever it was. But I thought, well, that would be a great idea to go and be involved in that. So it, I remember it really clear. It was on a Saturday, and I was playing cricket in the afternoon. So I, so I, I drove up to London really early, and I went to this. I, I'd got all my sponsorship and everything else. And I went there, and all the great and the good involved in prison ministry work were there. There was Lady Georgie Waits, who at the time was the chairman of prison fellowship, there was Paul Cowley, who headed up the Caring for Ex-Offenders Network um, for HTV. I remember quite clearly Sandy Miller's wife was there, I had quite a long conversation with her. And Sandy was there as well. Those of you who know the name, Sandy was the vicar at HTV when the Alpha course started out and things like that. All the great and the good were there. In fact, we're doing, we're doing the um, Bible course at the moment in RNC. And you, John, your group's done it, haven't they? Yeah. I, I don't, you're doing it. I don't know if you remember it. In the first one of those videos, there's, a, there's an ex-offender interviewed. His name's Finney. And Finney was there that day as well, because by that time he'd been saved and was involved in work with ex-offenders. Um, and so, I, I'd by the way, I'd never abseiled in my life. I, did, I forgot to mention that. 
Never in my life had I have sailed before. The Marines were running this thing. They gave you about a 20 second quick tutorial on how to have sail and set you up this building. <laughs> um, and they're all there, and you know, Paul Cowley's an ex-Marine or whatever. He went down forwards, very odd. Um, so I get up to the top, and you, you go up in the lift, and you go out on the roof of this building, I don't know, however high it was, and the Marines are saying, trust the rope, trust the rope. Just lean back and trust the rope. So I can't go over the edge, and I clung on to the rope, and I wouldn't let go, and I wouldn't go back. And I, do you know, as I went over the edge of that building, I discovered something. I discovered that I was not fully sanctified. The language that came out of my mouth was unbelievable. Oh, it scared me silly. But I wasn't fully sanctified. And I'm not fully sanctified now. You know that. <laughs> and then I come across this name. Jehovah Mekodeshkem. The God who makes you holy. How does that work? How on earth does that work? Or how in heaven does it work? So where does the name Jehovah Mekodishkem come from? Exodus 31, 12 and 13 says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must obey my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. That's Exodus 31, 12 and 13. So, okay, it's in Scripture. Um, but doesn't that sound a bit legalistic? You must obey my Sabbaths. You know, that, that's, that's, oh, that's old covenant stuff. So, we've got to look at that a bit further, I think. First of all, though, let's look at what holy means. The... Oxford Living Dictionaries online says that holy, they, they give three um, definitions, dedicated or consecrated to God as a religious purpose, sacred. Dedicated to the service of God, or morally or spiritually excellent. Now we know, don't we, that God is holy. We know that God is morally and spiritually excellent. We know there is no hint of anything false or wrong or anything that could taint God about God. We know that God is holy. So what does his character like that mean for us, his people? I said in... Uh, it sounds a little bit legalistic, you must obey my Sabbaths. But then in Exodus 19, verses 1 to 6, it says this. In the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in e did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, 
If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So that's God, God's at it again. He says you'll be a holy nation, but how will you be a holy nation? If you obey me fully and keep my covenant. Well, it sounds a bit legalistic to me. It sounds a bit old covenant. Yes. It's impossible for me to be holy. All of this is old covenant before the coming of Jesus and him washing me clean of my sins, isn't it? Isn't it? Or is it? Not sure. Leviticus 19 verse 2 says this. Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Oh, no. Leviticus 11.44 I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. This isn't getting any easier, is it? There's a message coming through here. That actually, yes, God does want us to be holy. It's not just in the old covenant. We have to understand that through the blood of Christ, God's plan for the Israelites became God's plan for the believers in Jesus. And that includes being holy. Exodus 19 talked about the Israelites becoming a holy nation. And then in 1 Peter 2 verse 9 it says this, But you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. There is no doubt in God's eyes that he sees you and me and us all together as holy. Even if we don't feel like it, even if we don't behave like it, and even if we don't really believe it ourselves, God looks at you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've asked Jesus into your life, and he says, you are holy. My word. Isn't that incredible? That is absolutely stunning in my eyes. And I still don't understand it fully, I've got to say. So how can this be? How can it be that God sees us as holy? I, I made a joke out of the fact that I wasn't fully sanctified coming down that building in London. But we know that we're not. Every one of us knows our own thought lives and patterns, our own actions, the things that we do that are selfish, etc., etc. I could go on, couldn't I? So how can we, how can God say that we are holy? 1 Peter 1, verses 13 to 16. <coughs> Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And that's actually quoting the Leviticus verse I talked about earlier on. When a person is saved, 
They are set apart from the world by God. When a person is washed in the blood of Jesus, make no mistake about it, you are set apart from the world that is not with Christ. Whatever you do, <laughs> that is true. You are God's treasured possession. That was another word that was used in that Exodus passage. You are God's treasured possession, bought with the blood of Jesus. That's how God describes his rights in Jesus. That's how God describes those who live and follow and believe in Jesus today. His treasured possession. And you are holy. So how can we be holy? There's some clues in these verses from 1 Peter. Prepare your minds for action. I think we get quite lazy sometimes, don't you? I think we just let the world flow by us. It's very easy. We're all very busy. I, I hold my hand up. I always talk about how busy I am. What an excuse. What a terrible excuse. Prepare your mind for action. Focus on God's word and his voice and you will prepare your minds for action. You know, what, you th- what your thoughts focus on are what you will become. More or less. I'm not a psychologist or whatever, but you know what I'm talking about. Even in the most difficult of times, we can either focus on the positives of our faith and what Jesus has done for us and what his promises are, or we can focus on the fears and negatives. It's up to you. Actually, it's a choice. (coughs) Will you choose to trust in all of what God's promises and his hopes and dreams are for you? I've said this before up here, but I can tell you at the worst time of my life, the very, very worst time of my life, when I was, I was going to say beyond desperate, it's not far from the truth. I'd given up on church, I didn't go to church for about a year. I will tell you exactly what you could do for church, to be honest. And I actively, actively wanted to give up my faith. I really wanted to throw the lot in the river. But do you know the one thing I could never, ever, ever get past was the person of Jesus Christ who died for me. And then, gradually over time, God restored me. Brought us down to the southwest and brought us into this church and this church has played a big part in my restoration. And I thank God for you all. Sorry. <laughs> Prepare your minds for action. What are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on your fears and the negatives? Are you going to focus on what God says about you? That'll make a difference. It then says, be self-controlled. Hold on, be (laughs) self-controlled. I think I've heard something like that somewhere before. Oh, I know what it was. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. Anybody tell me what that is? Go on, right? Go on? No? Yeah. Our verse for the year last year. <laughs> for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Do we take that seriously? It was our verse for the year last year. Do we really believe that God has given us a spirit of love, 
and power and self-discipline or self-control. Again, I'm going to suggest it's about choices. We can choose to do something or not to do something. And the, those choices, I've got to say, have got to be Holy Spirit. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inspired. It, more than inspired, I want to say invaded. Yeah. You know, I, you know our, our choices have got to be invaded by the Holy Spirit. I think I quite like that. That's quite good. Um, but it's about choice. And the third thing from this passage in Peter, set your hope in Jesus. No matter what is thrown at us. No matter what you go through. Because, let me tell you, you will go through stuff somewhere in your life. And most of you know that this is a church that is full of people who are mending, isn't it? And most of you know that you will go through stuff. But set your hope in Jesus. Then we will have so much more power to make those right choices. And fourthly, in this passage in Peter, be obedient children. Do you know what? I think that very, very often there's a still small voice of God. God doesn't very often shout, in my experience. But there's a still small voice of God that speaks to us. It might be through scripture. And it might be in a general way because of the way that scripture teaches us to live. On the other hand, it might be very, very specific. Let me encourage you, church, when you hear that still small voice of God, don't shy away from it. Don't tuck it under the carpet. Don't get busy and forget about it. But embrace it. Grab hold of it. And if God's calling you to do something, do it. Work it through. My, my niece, I think I'll say this, she'll never hear this, uh, hopefully. <laughs> my niece is going through a big thing at the moment. She lives in Australia. And they've got some huge, huge decisions to make. And I was on um, FaceTime to them over the weekend chatting about how to make choices and what God is saying in it all. And it's so difficult. But that, her and her husband, they said, we want to do what God wants us to do. And I, I thought, bless them for their heart. They're so determined. And it might turn their lives upside down, what they're sensing God is saying. But they, their, their first and foremost thing was, we want to do what we think we hear God is saying to us. Isn't that fantastic? I love to see young couples like that, it's fantastic. So when you hear that still small voice of God, or if you think you hear that still small voice of God, do something about it, don't tuck it away. So there were four things there from Peter, that, that first letter of Peter, that might help us in this, how can we be holy? Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. <coughs> Set your hope in Jesus. And be obedient when you hear the call of God. But you know, one real key in all of this talk about Jehovah Mekod... There you go again. Mekodishken, or whatever it is. <laughs> the God who makes you holy is this. And it's, this is really important. Really listen to this. I've, I've actually typed it out in bold in capitals. 
So it's got to be important. Holiness is not the way to Jesus. But Jesus is the way to holiness. I'm going to say it again because I think it's really important. Holiness is not the way to Jesus. But Jesus is the way to holiness. Many, many people are searching and trying to work out a way to reach to another level, to get into a better spiritual place. Why do you think we've got all that rubbish going on down, down the road at the moment? But to seek, to get holy, to achieve being near God, I can guarantee one thing from that, we will remain pretty unholy. It doesn't work that way round. We need to know Jesus. We need to have asked Jesus into our lives. We need to have confessed our sins and asked his forgiveness. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to invade our lives day by day. And if you've never asked Jesus into your life, today's a pretty good day to do it, I would suggest. And we might come back to that in a little while. How do we become holy through Jesus? It's the work of his Holy Spirit in us, isn't it? It is the work of his Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. If we're prepared, it's still choices, ladies and gentlemen. It's still choices. But if we're prepared to allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, we can move. I I do think it's a journey into more of the holiness that God has for us. By ourselves, this is impossible. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to have free reign in our lives, then the choices that we make will be informed by him. Which is quite a challenge. You know, ultimately, our holiness is a reflection of our relationship with God. If we see holiness as keeping a set of rules... As I said just now, we're doomed to be very unholy. But, if we allow the Holy Spirit to develop a loving relationship with God, the keeping of his commandments is a consequence of that relationship rather than a list of rules. And becoming more holy will become the inevitable outcome. That's quite exciting, actually. That is actually quite exciting. That if we do these things, everything else falls into place. There's a verse that we use in Alpha quite a lot that is used in the Holy on the Holy Spirit Day that I think is really helpful in this situation when looking at this. Because I know I can't keep God's laws by myself. But in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, it says this: I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit, my spirit, capital S, the Aramaic Ruach, my spirit, my Holy Spirit, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. When the Holy Spirit is living and active in a human being, they are more likely to keep God's commands and follow his decrees. Period. 
which is fantastic. That is amazing. Let's allow the Holy Spirit free reign in our lives because Jehovah Mekodishkem, the God who makes you holy, has decreed it that that is the way in which he makes us holy. God sees us as holy, which is stunning. But the way in which that is achieved, how it works in our day-to-day life, is through allowing the Holy Spirit more and more free reign in our lives. Being prepared to deal with stuff in our lives that we know is wrong. Making the right choices. A friend of mine, uh, <laughs> a few years ago, a guy called Keith Sainer, um, I was chatting with him about this type of stuff. And he said, do you know what, I was sitting... Wife had gone to bed the other night. I was sitting watching TV and I was watching a film. And I got this real sense that if Jesus was sitting by my side, I would not be watching this film. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, let's look at every aspect. Let's open those up to God. If God is saying to you, deal with this area of your life, don't shy away with it, away from it. Embrace it and open yourselves up to God. You know, many of us are talking about um, that we've got a sense that we're close to a significant move of God. I've had that conversation with quite a few people in this room recently. And my heart yearns. My heart yearns to see revival in my lifetime. Those of you who know me know that really yearns for that. And I believe that this being holy issue is one of the things, one of the keys to seeing a deeper move of God. I think we play fast and loose sometimes with the ways of God. And as God calls us more to be serious about holiness, doesn't mean to say we can't have a laugh, doesn't mean to say we become very boring people and miserable people, but to deal with the issues that God is calling us to deal with, to work through those things, then I believe we will see much, a much deeper move of God. <coughs> you know, we had our first trustees meeting the other week of um, the new trustees, and I was sat there and we were talking about GDPR and safeguarding and health and safety. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness me. All of these things are, to my way of thinking, just like that. And then I realised, no they're not. These things are actually really important. To deal properly and righteously with the things that God has put in front of us. And in this case as a church, because we're the trustees for this church, is important in preparing the ground for a move of God. So we need to be excellent in our GDPR. We need to be excellent in our safeguarding. We need to be excellent in our health and safety. One, because we're responsible to you guys. But two, because before God, we need to do those things to the best that we can do. And that is a form... It only hit me this morning, but that's a form of holiness. You know, and so those things aren't actually boring. They are preparing the way for God to move. 
And it's the same in each and every one of our individual lives. What is God calling you to take a fresh look at? What is God saying? Just freshen that up. Deal with that issue. Come on, tighten up there on that. Come on. Let's move forward together. Let's determine to do all that we can do whilst allowing the Holy Spirit in us to take us into a deeper relationship with the Father and the Son which automatically has consequence of holy lives. Let's determine that in our minds together. That would be quite a... We'd be a remarkable church if we really grabbed hold of that. (coughs) Sorry, we are a remarkable church anyway. (laughs) We really are. But we would be an even more remarkable church if we really get hold of this together. Um, Tris, can you guys come back up? Is that all right? Thanks. We're going to come to communion in a few minutes and I'll hand back over to Aid. But I actually think there's a good opportunity here. I, I said to Aid beforehand that whilst I was talking, I'll try and gauge what God was saying to us in as far as how we respond to this. And I, I've been seeing a lot of response coming back from people whilst, we've been, whilst I've been talking. And I think we've got an opportunity here to take a few moments to reflect. It may be that God wants to show you, that, sorry, it may be that you want to show God that you are determined to allow his holiness to permeate your lives more and more. To say, yes, I am standing on this promise of God. It may be that even as I've been talking, God has highlighted something in your life that he wants you to deal with. I'm not going to say what that is, but that might be blocking your journey towards holiness. And he's saying, deal with that today. It may be that we just sense his holy presence with us and we want more of that. So in a couple of moments, I'm going to ask... um, the band to just quietly play a song and we're just going to take a few minutes of quiet to reflect on what I've talked about. I hope what I've said today has been helpful. I pray God that it's been helpful. And it's a challenge. I, I find this type, this type of issue is a real challenge. But let God deal with it with us. You know, when Moses stood before the burning bush, God said to him, take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I'm going to, whatever it is in these few moments, you, want to may, you may want to show God that you recognise his holiness. And as we're very quietly, as the band leader in some <coughs> contemplative time, come before God. It may be that you want to kneel before him. It may be you want to lie prostrate. There's plenty of room at the sides. But it may be that you want to take off your shoes and say to God, I'm serious. I want to stand on your holy ground and be holy as you have said you're the Lord God who makes me holy thanks Tris
playing for a little while longer, just the tune, without singing, and during this time... Tell him you want to be a person who knows what it is to be spirit-filled and live in a holy life. And that we together want to be a holy nation as God has called us to be. So just as those bands continue playing, continue doing business with God. 